Well, good morning, Greenwich, and welcome to the Thursday, January 26th edition of the Basement Academy. Again, thanks for taking a few minutes out of your day. As always, we begin with a morning psalm, which is one of my favorites, Psalm 146. Begins this way. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Do not put your trust in princes, in mortal men who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, the Lord who remains faithful forever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the alien and sustains the fatherless and the widow but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations. Praise the Lord. Amen. This, uh, this line that I've got up on the whiteboard, you can't see it if you're listening, of course. Do not put your trust in princes, in mortal men who cannot save. This tendency we have to look to somebody we can elect, (laughs) that we're going to find the right political leader who's going to fix everything. And so there's something in the human heart that wants to believe that these mortal men can get us out of the mess we're in. And we we can't. Now, we're going to talk about the second great mystery or the second central mystery, this open secret. It's kind of hidden and then it gets revealed. So at the time of the writing of Psalm 146, the notion of Messiah as one who dies and rises and who liberates and brings in a new creation is really not in the mindset of Israel. It still is not in the mindset of Israel, right? Our Jewish friends and neighbors do not look to Jesus as Messiah. Messiah would have been um, understood, I think, primarily as a military leader, not as a suffering servant. And so, interestingly, it is not a mortal man who comes to save. It's an immortal man. Jesus dies, but death is unable to to hold him. And we'll explore that uh, today and tomorrow a little bit. Okay, so... Let's get back to our firm foundation, talking about the essential tenets of our faith. The authority of our confession is Scripture, so everything that we're speaking about comes out of Scripture. Two central mysteries, these open secrets, the first being the Trinity, the second being the Incarnation. When we're talking about Incarnation, we're talking about the enfleshment or the embodiment of God in human flesh. God, we believe, we affirm, 
it is essential to our faith. The historic Christian faith says God has come in human flesh in the person of Jesus of Nazareth, who becomes the Christ, Jesus Christ, the anointed one. He's anointed in his baptism as the Spirit descends upon him. Let me read uh, the great passage that articulates this, I think, most clearly. And this is John chapter 1. I'll read first verses 1 to 4, and then I'll skip down to verse 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. Just pause there. And so John is very intentionally echoing the creation narrative in the beginning. That, that's our clue, right? And so when we were talking about the Trinity, the, so the Spirit is hovering there in Genesis chapter 1, and God speaks. There's the Word through whom the world is made. Through Him all things were made is how John writes. So he's picking up on that notion of the spoken word, the word of God being that through which God creates. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. He was with God in the beginning. And so we go to verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth. There's a footnote in, I'm reading from the New International Version. There's a footnote where it says, the glory of the one and only, it could also be the only begotten. And so Jesus, the only begotten of the Father, right? And so this word became flesh. Hmm. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the only begotten, or the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. And so Jesus at the Father's side from eternity makes the Father known. And so this ties back to our Trinity study. But John is articulating this great mystery (laughs) that God is going to come in human flesh. This is what is pointed to, is alluded, it's foreshadowed in the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 7, the virgin will be with child and she will give birth. He will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so we read that and we're thinking, oh, well, you know, back in the day, there's going to be a child who's born who's going to be a great leader of some sort. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government, there will be no end. And so you read that and you think, well, there's some, they're speaking of a, human leader who will come descended from Israel and he will have temporary uh, you know the son of David will will, will come it, this is 
we look back and we read those passages, we go, they're of course fulfilled in Jesus Christ, whose government, whose kingdom has no end. And so this is the mystery of our faith. This is what sets the Christian faith apart. It's the acknowledgement that Jesus is God. So Jesus is the Son of God. You have a lot of folks who might say, yeah, Jesus was the Son of God, like we are sons and daughters of God. No, Jesus is God the Son. And so he is the unique Son of God. There is none like him. None has entered this world like him. This, this conception, this miraculous conception. And so Jesus is not only the Son of God, but he is God the Son, the second person of the Trinity. Let me read from the uh, Essential Tenets document. This is the second great mystery of the Christian faith, affirmed by all Christians everywhere, that Jesus Christ is both truly God and truly human. As to his divinity, he is the Son, the second person of the Trinity, being of one substance with the Father. As to his humanity, he is like us in every way but sin, of one substance with us, like us and having both a human soul and a human body. As to his divinity, he is eternally begotten of the Father. As to his humanity, he is born of the Virgin Mary, conceived by the Holy Spirit. As to his divinity, his glory fills heaven and earth. As to his humanity, his glory is shown in the form of a suffering servant, most clearly when he is lifted up on the cross in our place. I like I like that kind of poetic way, as to his divinity, as to his humanity, as to his divinity, as to his humanity. And so, Orthodox Christian faith affirms that Jesus is fully God and fully human. How can this be? Our finite minds cannot fully understand this. But it is as if the author, remember we were talking last week about author, the one who, who shapes the story, um, who, who has the first word and the last word on the story. So the author of the story, God, enters the story. That's the incarnation. The one who is writing this story chose to enter the story and become involved in the story. And so fully human, Jesus uh, was born, right? We know that with the Christmas story, born and laid in a manger, born of the Virgin Mary. He hungered, he thirsted, he needed to eat, he needed to drink, he got tired, he had bodily needs, he had physical needs. He has emotions. We can see him in different places. He's weeping. He becomes uh, upset at the Pharisees, at their hardness of heart. There's compassion and tenderness that he expresses to the leper, to the a woman caught in adultery, to all manner of, of human suffering and need. Uh, he is compassionate and kind, again, embodying the kindness of God. So Jesus has emotions. He's not kind of an automaton. He's not a robot sent from heaven. He has intelligence. He had to learn the scriptures. And, and so, you know, he didn't, wasn't born and quoting Torah, <laughs> He went to uh, Hebrew school. 
And then we find him at age 12 there discussing with the religious leaders in the temple. And his parents are worried about him. They're heading back to Nazareth. He says, did you not know I would be in my father's house? Speaking of, of God the Father, uh, he, had a vol he had volition. He had a will. Father, if there's any other way for this cup to pass, let it be so. But not my will, thy will be done. He submitted his will to the will of the Father. Kind of we're speaking about this on, on Sunday, last Sunday. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so Jesus is fully human. He is like us in every way, in every way except without sin. I didn't write that up here. Let me write that down. Without sin. He is sinless, which, as we'll talk about tomorrow, enables his sacrifice then to be acceptable. He is the unblemished lamb who offers himself for the sins of the world. And so Jesus is fully human, and that's important. I'm going to try to reflect a little bit on this tomorrow. But it's important, just in case you don't watch that one. He suffers for us. He suffers with us. Uh, the writer of Hebrews says that he, he had to be made like his brothers in every way. He is tempted as we are in every way, but without sin. In fact, the temptations that Jesus endured were far greater than what we endured. So when he's in the wilderness going through the temptation of hunger, of thirst, turn these stones to bread, jump off the temple, uh, demonstrate, you know, bow down to me and I'll give you the kingdoms of the world. Uh, so, you know, you think you get tempted, I think I get tempted. And so Jesus is like us in every way, but he is then also fully divine and this is mystery. It will be revealed more fully one day. We will perhaps be able to comprehend more fully than we can now. And so the uh, Matthew's gospel, uh, the dream, when the angel speaks to Joseph in the dream, this child is of the Holy Spirit. He will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so God with us. The fullness of God's being dwells in the person of Jesus. Uh, we see some of this. He has power over nature. The miracles is walking on water, commanding the elements, cal cal calming the storm, uh, causing bread to multiply, um, uh, you know, healing, uh, healing the, the blind, opening their eyes, opening the deaf ears, uh, loosing the, the tongue of the mute person, enabling a lame person to walk causing Lazarus to rise again. So Jesus has power over the elements because the elements were made through him. And so he is one with the Father, the maker of heaven and earth. All things were made through him. And so we see this power and that power overwhelms people. It, it both attracts people to him, but also Peter, when he sees this miraculous catch of fish. And so Jesus says, hey, why don't you throw your nets on the other side? We have labored all day, all night. Okay, but if you want, just kind of like Peter's getting ready to say, I told you so. And all of a sudden, they let down their nets and, and Peter says, depart from me for I am a sinful man. And so Jesus, here we go, without sin and without taint. And so he is perfect. He is, he is the perfect human being. 
He is whole in a way that we are not whole. He is complete. There's integrity to him. There is no duplicity. You see Jesus, he is the same person every time, always. He is the same. He is holy. He is wholly different. He is completely other. He is not like he is like us in every way. He is not like us. <laughs> and that's the mystery of the incarnation. And so I think we take this, I don't know, I'll say take it for granted. We we just don't think about the incarnation much. You know, we do at Christmas, but there's so much else going on at Christmas, we kind of can't hear. Uh, so well. Can't hear the story. You know, there's all the cha-cha-cha that goes on around Christmas. But we believe this is an essential tenet. This is an essential belief to affirm that Jesus is the incarnate Word of God, the incarnate Son of God. He is God. Now, there are plenty of people who look to Jesus, who admire Jesus, and perhaps even seek to follow the teachings of Jesus, who reject the notion that He is God. Some will say he is a good teacher. Some will say he is a prophet. Um, but, you know, son of God or God the Son, nah, I can't go there. They may choose to refer to themselves as a Christian, a follower of the teachings of Jesus, and we will celebrate that to the degree that they, they seek to follow Jesus. But historic Christianity, Orthodox Christianity, upholds this belief that you are believing in the one who is the Son of God, not just a teacher, not just a prophet, not just another human being. And he didn't get elevated to divine status by being the best. He was God in the beginning and the mystery of the incarnation. How could Jesus exist before he was born? God sits outside time in a way that we don't. Let me hold that for tomorrow. Let's do that. And so, I guess what I do want to invite you, um, in the, the words of John chapter 1, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. That which was his own is coming to Israel. He came to that or those which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, that is his character, his identity, he gave the right to become the children of God, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. We become born again when we believe in this Jesus who is fully human, fully divine, when we embrace him as he is, not as we wish him to be, but as he is and revealed to us. And I pray that if you have never received Jesus Christ this way, welcome him into your heart. Believe in his name, his character, his identity, his personality, fully human, fully God, without sin, and as our Savior and God with us. Let's close with prayer and we'll pick up and reflect again tomorrow, okay? Let's pray. Father, we struggle to understand the mystery of the incarnation of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so we pray for the grace of your Holy Spirit to lead us into all truth and as much truth as we can bear 
right now. And I pray especially for any who may be listening who have never heard of this or understood it. May the secret become open now. May that which was hidden be revealed. And may these hearts, like our hearts, be born again and born anew. And so we thank you and offer ourselves to you afresh to be his faithful followers as we pray how Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May God the Son and the Son of God, may Jesus the Christ, fully human, fully divine, bless you, watch over you, keep you, inspire you, draw you, save you this day and forevermore. Amen.